Warning. The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Travis. And today I'm going to let Travis tell you all about Jason X because I don't want to. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you have any idea how short my notes are on this <laughs> Like, I gave up after 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, my Which God. Which sucks, because this movie came out in 2001, so we were dating. Then. We had just started dating. And we loved this movie when we it came out. We did. went to the theater. We spent real money to see I, this movie. I believe we went and saw it more than once, even. I think you're probably right. But you know what? I would have been 20, 21 years old. Which would have put me 18 or 19. We didn't make good choices then. We were chillins. We just enjoyed the premarital sex. We love premarital sex. <laughs> like, no, I seriously remember like the trailer coming on for this movie and being super excited because for starters, they start a trailer where they play fucking Rammstein. Okay, the trailer for this movie was a fucking lie, though. It was, but let me finish my thought, if you don't mind. Finish your thought. <laughs> they started a trailer playing Rammstein. I'm automatically in just on that alone. And then they finished it with Drowning Pool's Bodies, which made it even better at time and we were like yes like this is the coolest fucking thing we have to go watch it yeah i think we both had murder boners when this was over when the trailer was over and then whatever it was in our poor youthful judgment (laughs) we were like that movie was pretty good lots of premarital sex (laughs) we just yeah we just made bad choices i think and (laughs) yeah in hindsight this movie's not good now i'm gonna go out on a limb here you're gonna at me bro (laughs) I still put this one above some of the other ones because when it comes down to would I rather watch this one or the other one, eh, I'll probably pick this one. But it's because this is basically Leprechaun in Space, but with Jason Voorhees. It's Jason in Space. I get it, but from a production value (laughs) standpoint, it's like the creators of Leprechaun in Space. (laughs) In cooperation with the Sci-Fi Channel, bring you Jason X. I can tell you that I'm going to watch Hellraiser Bloodline, which is, for all intents and purposes, Pinhead in Space, way, way before I watch Jason X. Okay, no, I'll still watch this one before although I, I will, I'll, Although I will watch Jason X before I watch Leprechaun in Space. Yeah. No, I'm still watch this before I watch Hellraiser Bloodline. Well, you'd be wrong. I just don't, I don't care for that one. You'd be wrong. There's no premarital sex in that one. (laughs) Or is there? There's just marital sex in that one. Oh, no, 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 no. No, there's just an enthusiastic sex worker in that one. Yes, yes. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you, I don't know what you're looking at me like that for. I'm waiting. I don't know what you're wanting I'm waiting for you to kick off this Todd Farmer masterpiece. (laughs) You want this film to win all of the awards. You want it to get all of the recognition. And I just can't stand by you on this one. I want it to get every Razzie that it's possible to get. No, no, no. You're looking for Academy Awards, Barbara Sachs. How dare you? (laughs) How dare you? How dare me? No. Here's the deal. We did very much enjoy this movie when it came out, but it's obviously horribly dated now. A lot of the jokes don't land. Uh, The writing's atrocious. The acting is atrocious. The only things, the only bright spots I can come up with this, I'll probably let you know throughout, but otherwise, this is my least favorite, guys. Well, you're not alone there on... IMDb, it's a 4.4 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes is a 19%, and Metacritic is a 25. 
Having said that, this is not the lowest rated movie in the Friday franchise. Okay. So... You about to tell me that Jason goes to hell? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't remember which one it was. I just remember we had one that was Rotten Tomatoes was like a 13. I just don't remember which one it was. Yeah. I'll have to go back and listen. But it was directed by James Isaac. Rest uh, his soul. Yeah. Music was Harry Manfredini. I don't know what he was thinking. He was thinking low budget sci-fi channel original. Yeah. This And the sad thing is Kane Hodder's in this one. Now, this is I his know. last... This is his last Jason. See, and that's what's sad about it. And why is this one his last one? Like, you kind of want to go out on a high note, but he went out on this note. Yes. Which is like the brown note. (laughs) (laughs) This is the one that makes you (laughs) shit your pants. Um, But it also had David Cronenberg in it. I know. He's only in it briefly. That would be one of my bright spots. Yeah, but uh, Lisa Ryder plays KM, Lexa Doig. I'm probably saying that last Doig. name wrong. Uh, she plays Rowan, which is, for all intents and purposes, our main character. It stars Todd Farmer as Dallas because he can't do a movie because, without putting himself in it. I was like, because of course it does. Has anyone ever told him he's a shitty actor? Has anyone ever told him he's not David Lynch and he can't write himself into his movies? What? <laughs> See what you did there. What? I heard you perfectly. <laughs> Um, Jeff Geddes is Johnson, also known as Soldier Number One. Now that's how you know this is a quality movie. Uh, Marcus Parillo plays Sergeant Marcus. Jonathan Potts is Professor Lowe. Duff Tiefenbach plays Azrael, probably one of the more entertaining characters in this movie. Chuck Campbell plays Sunaran. Who fucking made up these Sunaran. names? Who came up with these names? Wait, a- I know who came up with these <laughs> names. Todd Farmer came up with these names. <laughs> Melissa Aid is Janessa Boyd Banks plays Fat Lou. That's wow, dated. That's nice. That's I'm not making that up. Uh, Barna Morix is Kicker. Dylan Birk plays Briggs. Todd Farmer already talked about. Peter Mensa is Sergeant Brodsky. I will always know him as Onimaeus from Spartacus. Me too. And also known from True Blood. And of course, from getting kicked off a cliff by Leonidas. And so does that dude just walk around ripped all the time? I think so. Because he's fucking big in this movie. I think well, not, he must have came out of the womb like that. big, but he's just cut. He's very cut. Like the dude just stays in shape all the fucking time. Yeah. So Philip Williams plays Crutch. Melody Johnson plays Kensa. Christy Argus is Adrian. Now, that's the, probably the only time I'm going to say any of their names. Okay. Right there. Okay. That's that's basically that's it because they they don't mean anything to me. None of these characters in this movie mean anything to They're anyone. Fodder. And that's the sad part. I don't. I feel like this movie had potential, sort of. Like I would <sighs> say that it's a good idea. It's not a good idea. But if you're gonna have a bad idea, make the best of a bad idea. And I don't feel like they even did that. Here's the thing. This this movie still has its defenders. There's a lot of people that are happy with the fact that it was just people back to getting naked and getting slaughtered, and that's fine. It followed the formula. It, it, it was really just did. in space. Yeah, pretty much. I just, those movies that had all those same tropes before, you know, one through eight, they still had a certain charm about them that worked in the 80s. And this was just not a good time for it. It just, it feels out of place. Right. Um, one of the other things that hurt this movie was they, used, instead of going for practical effects for most of the kills, they used a lot of CG. And one result of that is that this is the least edited version or at least edited entry in the Friday series. Like the MPAA cut this one up the least. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But the CG in it's so bad that that doesn't surprise me at all. Right. So I guess we could just jump right into this, right? So we jump in to it's uh, what Crystal Lake Research Facility, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. And this is supposed to be what, 2001? 
2010, I think something it's 2010. like that. Early, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and so it's the idea of that alone is kind of cool. Yeah, and know? we're in this. Looks like it's an underground facility. They've got Jason chained up on a pedestal in the middle of the room, but he's awake. His eyes are open. I think that's pretty cool. I like the way Jason looks. Jason is still pretty cool. And then. Like, immediately, you get some little fuck-up that decides he doesn't like Jason looking at him, so he's going to throw a blanket. Well, you got within arm's reach, buddy. Right. You fucked up. I'll just, I'll go back. This is this is kind of where we have the cameo by David Cronenberg, and basically saying Jason as an entity or whatever subject is way too, he's a commodity, basically. Right. They, because, they stand to make money off of him. Right. He wants to use him for military research, but Dr. Sexy just wanted to freeze him. Right. So. And so I get the logic behind that when you have somebody who basically, rah, rah, Rasputin, they can do whatever they want and he's not going to die you know that stands to reason you'd want to study him to find out why is that so and is this something we can replicate for our military so i get the reasoning and that is not a bad idea well not even i would say that using it for the military is a bad idea but well, just to I'm research saying, that just to help humanity would yeah. be a great idea i'm saying in terms of story it's not a terrible idea it had right. potential it, it did it did but like you were talking about, kid goes over to put covering over Jason and so Jason gets a hold of him. But you don't see it. Right. And I actually do like this scene where he basically takes every, out everybody in the research facility, including Cronenberg, which made me big sad. Um, he would have been a presence I would have liked throughout. Obviously, he's not an actor actor. He's one of the greatest directors of our time. But it would have been cool to kind of have him maybe as a secondary adversary, kind of like in Nightbreed, you know? Yeah, I think he probably... I don't know. And this is going to sound weird, maybe. But when you put the guy on screen, you see him in a, in a film and you go, that guy's fucking smart. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he, he just, looks evil. He looks smart and he looks like he's an evil fucker. Yeah. And I think that if you had had him sort of square off with Jason, even if it was in space, had him square off with Jason, it could have made for an interesting dynamic. Mm. I don't know about him necessarily squaring off with Jason, but if not, he... Not physically. Yeah, but if, if he, like I said, if he was one of our main antagonists apart from Jason, who's just basically making Rowan's life miserable the whole time, that might have been better. Well, it could be, except we're not going to stay in this facility, and we're not going to stay on Earth. I know. So after he slaughters his way through these soldiers, Rowan picks up a shotgun and takes off running because he's he's right on her heels and makes her way to the cryo chamber. I guess that, that was her intent all along was to kind of lead him in there. And she shoots him a couple times and then shoots, it looks like an oxygen tank, to knock him into one of the open chambers and then does the same thing that they all do. They close the door and and with Jason stand. behind it, and then they lean up against it. And well, unfortunately for them, this cryo chamber was made out of tinfoil. It was, because he stabs the machete <laughs> right through it. Most of the ships in this film are made out of tinfoil. And yeah, he stabs through the door and into her, causing a leak. And then, of course, there's an emergency shutdown or mm -hmm. whatever, and they both get frozen. Right. So he's inside the pod, so now he's a pod person. She's outside the pod. <laughs> so then we cut to, what, 400 years like later? Like 455, 450 years later, something like that. Yeah. And now we've got a group of students on a quote, field trip, yeah, I our, guess. Our disposable teens. <laughs> yeah, to Earth. But let's be real here. It looks like Texas in the dead of summer. <laughs> it looks like that out there right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So they go to see what happened at this research facility and happen across Rowan and Jason and decide they're gonna, she can be saved, they can take her. And then we have the first really annoying fucking character of the movie, which is Azrael. And he decides he's got to poke it. Well, he's not poking it. He gets a coffee cup stuck to his hand. It's right. He does it right as they say, don't touch anything. Yes. So it's kind of like the tongue stuck to the pole in a Christmas story, except his hand stuck to a coffee mug. And obviously the only way to get the coffee mug off his hand is to go bang it on the pod that Jason's in. Right. But and as he falls forward, he takes his arms off. He's that kid. That's got to do it one more time. One more time. That's that's the type of kid he strikes me as. And you just want to slap the shit out of him. Yeah. Because I told you. And this is your fault. And if you'd listen to me, you'd still have your arm. You would. <laughs> Except he can get it back. I know. Because it's not a thing in this movie that you can be amputated and it's a permanent deal. Well, they have. Like, she puts Silly Putty on the stump and shoots him full of crack and he's <laughs> fine. Yeah. They have something introduced that are that's called, like, nanobots. It's like a lamer version of what Tony Stark comes up with later. <laughs> yeah, no, nanites are, like, that's a, a legitimate thing that people are trying to make. Um, and so, I mean, it's an interesting idea for a movie. I don't know that it's an interesting idea for this movie, but, yeah, and that's basically it. They take Jason and uh, Rowan, right? Do- What's her name? Yeah, it's Rowan. They take her back to the ship, and they put Azrael's arm back on, and they get they strip her naked. Well, you don't see it, though. But they cover her in chainmail. I don't know why they needed to cover her in chainmail for this, but they get her reanimated. And meanwhile, Jason is in a like a research bay. I'm still not sure why they would even take him with them. And they're letting one of the students poke at him. Yeah. And then she has to cut his mask off. But the hey, dude was he, holding a machete. Why wouldn't they go? Uh, not that guy. We'll leave him here. Maybe he should stay. Yeah. But it's okay. He was wearing his pride mask. <laughs> Because, you know, when she's cutting the mask off, it's got the rainbow across yeah. the mask. Anyway, okay. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, whether that was intentional or not, I have no idea. But anyway. I'm going to say neat. not. <laughs> Probably not. But anyway, um, at some point, he wakes up. Well, he wakes up because we have horny couple number one. Some chick, guy that looks like Fez from that 70s show. And as soon as she moans a little bit, Jason's like, what? There will be no coming on my spaceship. On my watch? <laughs> yeah. Yes. This is an orgasm-free zone. I will not allow this. Yeah. And then, yeah, that sets them off to start picking off our crew one by one. Yeah. And meanwhile, the doctor, like the teacher, I guess, he's supposed to be the professor, the Mm -hmm. guy in charge. Professor Lowe. You know, first he calls... uh, Janessa. Robert Silverman. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who has been in several Cronenberg movies. Yes. uh, Scanners comes to mind, but I'd have to have it in front of me. But But he's just sort of a side character in this. Like He's in it for this one scene, really, and then he's gone. Well, the director, Jim Isaac was actually friends with David Cronenberg or used to work with him, something like that. So they had a fairly close relationship. So that would stand a reason that he he knew Cronenberg's friends also. But this is where Dr. Lowe uh, learns that Jason Voorhees would be worth a lot of money. And you find out that he's a shitheel because uh, he asks him, what about the students? And he was like, no, 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 this is just my discovery. The learning will be their reward. Right. But come to find out... What's her butt? She's really not that worth that much money. He's like, people are getting thought out all the time. It's old hat. No big deal. But when he finds out that it's Jason Voorhees, who apparently Professor Lowe has never heard of before, he's like, he could be worth a shit ton of money. You know, he's like a notorious killer. So to the right buyer, yeah, you could absolutely bank. Yeah. So after finding out this information while Jason is 
trying to wake up. He's he goes to bone one of his students. So he, <laughs> well... he puts on lingerie and she's twisting his nipple with like a big clamp and you passed. It's just I so... do like I do like the line exchange between the two of them, the who's been a very naughty boy. I have. I have. <laughs> that does crack me up, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but while they're doing their kink, Jason wakes up and this is one of the, this is one of the cool kills. Like they do have some cool kills and this was a practical effect, I believe. Right. Uh, he grabs the student that was dissecting him, basically beginning to take him apart and puts her face down in like liquid nitrogen, flash freezes her face and then smashes her face on the table next to the vat and it just explodes. And then you see like, she looks like a snow cone, this hollow head cavity hole where her face (laughs) should be. But I, thought, I will admit that's still a cool kill. That's pretty badass. Yeah. It's all downhill cool. from there. Everybody dies. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They actually tried that one out on Mythbusters and found out ultimately that that can't be done. They what? busted that myth. What? Movie magic is not real? Right. <laughs> well, shit. What are we going to do now? <laughs> so at this point, after Stony is killed, then girlfriend who's running and crying and upset and carrying on and she's going to spend a solid 90% of the movie doing this because she's useless, runs in to tell everybody Stoney's dead, and this alerts their space marines, and obviously a ripoff of aliens. Yeah, and these are not the Warhammer space marines, because (laughs) they get their asses handed to them. Yeah, to go try to take out Jason. Now, these guys are supposed to be best of the best of the best of the best, with honors. Sir. Sir. But yeah, we find out they're not what they've we've been led to believe, except for Brodsky. No, he's kind of a badass. Yes. Sort of. Yeah, he is. He I is. guess he is. But none of the kills for them were really memorable. Like one guy gets thrown down on this big screw. Yeah. And they even throw that in there. He got screwed. Yeah. One chick gets impaled by this giant hook. Um, another guy just gets his neck broken. A, a guy does get cut in half and it looks pretty decent. Um, well, it does until he's crawling away. And right. then you can see that the this, CG. Is a, this is a CG effect. Yeah. And it looks like it. But the thing is, that's one they probably could have done with a practical effect. I mean, they've done shit like that before. Maybe not exactly that, but... I don't think so, because I think back then they would use a person who was already an amputee to pull yeah. that off. But they usually had makeup all over them, like like uh, Freddy, for instance, where you could have that makeup to hide the fact that it wasn't the same actor. Right. But you have to have some CG in there for something but like they, that. But they kind of took the lazy way out. Yeah. It could have been good, but it wasn't. Yeah. So, yeah, all of this to say the kills are just not memorable. Yes, there is a high body count, a fact that Kane Hodder was very proud of and excited about going into this film. But at the end of the day, it, they, they just weren't anything memorable. Yeah, because yeah, he kills what? He kills the engineer. Or is it the, the pilot? I think it's the well, pilot. Well, he kills the pilot later after all those guys are already yeah. dead. Yeah. Um, he gets Brodsky. It looks like he gets Brodsky because he stabs him like through a wall. And Brodsky says, it's going to take more than that to take out this old dog. And then he stabs his machete through the wall and he says, that'll do it. <laughs> yep. That ought to do it. <laughs> and you think, well, okay, that's the end of Brodsky. But he does come back later. Um, meanwhile, Rowan steps up. Like, eh. if anybody was going to be said to have stepped up, it was her. Um, and I will say that she she adapted to f- suddenly finding out that she's 400 years old very easily. Right. And very quickly. So See, that's another thing. I felt like 
if the writing were better, they could have done something with that. Kind of like Captain America in The Winter Soldier, where he's kind of learning to have to catch up with the world around him and adapt. And I realize that when you're thrown in this situation and you've got a killer like Jason in there, you don't have a lot of time to sit around and reflect on what's going on. But I feel like they could have just expanded that a little bit instead of throwing in the corny fucking jokes about bikes and shit. Yeah, they... So this movie, time period wise, it feels like it takes place in about the same span that uh, the one with Carrie White uh, that took. Like, we're just talking about a couple of days here. So there's not a lot of time for that sort of exposition, but I feel like if they had explored it, it would have been better. I think so. At least some of it. Um, At least her asking questions. She doesn't even ask questions about why am I in a spaceship? Where are we going? How far away from Earth are we right now? What happened to Earth? What happened to Earth? She asks zero questions. Right. She's awake. She punches the doctor. And then she grabs a shotgun. She's off and running. Pretty much. And And she's not Ripley. And I'm sorry. Oh, but they wanted her to be Ripley so bad. is a long-winded movie. And it's a slow burn in some parts. But at least you got that with Ripley like holy shit I've been asleep for decades and I had a daughter now my daughter's dead and she has time to kind of you know think of the repercussions that have been her actions with this job sort of thing you know there's a lot of guilt that plays into there right but we never get the background on this character so we don't know did she have family I mean, we assume that she did, but she never mentions it at all. A a daughter, a mom, a dad, a brother, nothing. Right. So. We get more character growth from KM than we do Rowan. We actually do. (laughs) Which is fucked up. KM is the sex bot. Right. The the fembot that uh, one of the students has created. Right. And after Jason kills through all the Marines and the pilot, because uh, the engineer is one of the last ones to go, and uh, he, I guess he decides to give her an upload. <laughs> Quote, upload. Well, he, he gave her a load. Then she comes back and she's supposed to be some kind of Terminator thing. Yeah. And meanwhile, we and we've kind of left this out. They're they're trying to get help. There there's a big state space station that they're trying to get to in order to have a well, now that the Marines are taken out, we can go to the space station and there's gonna be people there better equipped to deal with our situation. Only they fucking crash into it. So yeah. that's gone. Well, the space marines on the ship got immediately taken out. Yeah. Handily taken out. So their strategy is to go to the space station with more space marines in it yes because they're going to make a huge difference i I don't know but yeah they destroy an entire space station and the next thing after that is this is supposed to be a highly traffic area which i didn't see any fucking ships passing by them in the windows or or anything yeah i mean it's not like interstate they are all (laughs) alone out there pretty much yeah so they're waiting for another ship to come by and save them and take them home and it's it feels like It feels like there's all these MacGuffins in there. Like, we just got to do this thing next. Well, that didn't work. We just got to do this thing next. And it feels like that's what we're doing through the entire movie. Yeah, but then I guess they finally get on the radio and they reach Tiamat, which Mm -hmm. is some kind of military vessel, I guess. I don't know. They never say. And they're going to come help. But meanwhile, they've got to deal with Jason. They've still got to put up with Jason until that right. until that happens. And then little girl, they got all boot. Well, I don't want to say she got booty hurt. I mean, obviously, if something happened to you, I'd be pretty distraught too. But again, you're in the middle of a high stressful situation. You need to pull your head out and focus. There's time to grieve later. You need to be a functioning member of the team and help out. And all she did was go. Meh 
And then the only means they had to escape, the escape pod, she fucking... Well, it was the shuttle. Yeah, was, the shuttle. Yeah. She fucking crashes it into the ship. Right. She was a... I'm sorry. She was the most fucking annoying character in this movie. She was useless. Completely. Yeah. Basically, they're just trying to survive Jason being on the ship. Right. And they start getting picked off one by one. They have Professor Lowe, who's a fucking moron. And I was really glad he got taken out. And there was a time where the whole line of, guys, he just wanted his machete back was actually funny and now it makes me cringe because <laughs> i'm like ah, oh. it just a lot of the jokes feel like low-hanging fruit to me well i mean when you think about who wrote this movie <laughs> the low-hanging fruit's all they could reach but yeah i mean it's just from one we just need to survive until the marines take him out now then we just need to survive until we reach the space station now we just need to survive until uh the tiamat shows up and they just keep pushing it out and pushing it out meanwhile jason's busy yeah, just killing the fuck out of everybody. He's having his best life. Yeah. So I know it sounds like we're kind of just breezing through this, but honestly, there's not a lot of depth to this movie. He, Jason just kills his way through everybody, more or less, until you get down to, what, KM, her maker. Centeron. Yeah, with a stupid name. Uh, Rowan. Brodsky. Janeska. Janeska. Janessa. Yeah. Sorry. And, and Brodsky. Yeah. Right? Um, of course, Brodsky, they finally find him. And they get him back and they throw him in the nano chamber and he's back up and running again. Yeah. And at that time, yeah, Tiamat is like, hey, we're on our way. Jason's destroyed. It looks like things are looking up. And and I will say that KM did throw Jason a beating. What I don't understand is I'm, I'm I guess the firearms are more powerful in the future or something. And apparently have vastly larger magazines. Right. Because we've seen Jason get shot hundreds of times to no avail. He just keeps on trucking. But for some reason, these weapons straight, like, blow chunks off of him. Yeah, but she knocks him down into, and while Brodsky's getting healed, he's laying in another nano chamber or whatever, and they just leave him there. Because that's a great idea. But just the fact that KM was able to take him down, temporarily take him down, was... It feels too easy. Cheesy. Yeah. To me. It feels way too easy. But they get Brodsky back up and running and they're going to go hide out. Basically, this is where they decide they're going to separate the pontoon that's damaged from the rest of the ship. Mm -hmm. Basically, they're going to event horizon this thing, right? Right. They're going to blow the locks and separate this part of the ship from the other part of the ship that's damaged. Well... There's an electrical short of some kind causes the nanites, nanobots, the autobots <laughs> to go after Jason and they rebuild him and he reemerges as Uber Jason. Okay. So when I first, again, when I first watched this, I thought he looked fucking cool. And I will admit adding the addition of the red contacts to Jason were really cool. Like if there were a way to make him look more evil, that was it. I didn't have a problem with that. The costume itself is pretty corny. It's it's pretty bad. Like he looked buff. I don't know. I had mixed feelings about that. I liked it and I didn't like it at the same time. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that works. I liked it at the time, but now it looks very Power, Power Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> High five. <laughs> it's still Kane Hodder and he still gets, he hits all the right beats for Jason, but it's just not and the, idea the same. That, yeah. And the idea that basically he's indestructible now is a scary thought. You know, like the bullets are just going to bounce off him like he's Superman and he's like the most powerful he's ever been in a sense. That's a good idea. I and, like that idea. And this is where he decapitates KM. I mean, clearly he's vastly more powerful than he was before, which having said that, that should have been the end of the movie. I mean, if you take Jason, who is considerably uh, just physically strong and really can't be killed already, and then you give him an upgrade, that should 
really kind of be the end right at that point because at that they don't have hope after that and let's be honest this whole film was a pot boiler just to get freddy versus jason off the ground that was the end goal they just needed something to keep jason fresh in the minds of people which if you're someone like me you don't forget about jason so who were they worried about who was going to forget about dre <laughs> Nobody. But the problem was, was once they completed the film, it sat on a shelf for two years. So at that time, the film got leaked and a lot of people saw it. So the hype died down because the people who got the movie leaked to them, they're obviously not going to go out and see it. And they're also talking to other people saying, this movie's not great, kind of sucks. And so while it did make some money, it just still was not any, I, it's not a respectable re- well, return. They, they did not get the return that they wanted right. or, or that they expected. But again, I, I don't know that they ever expected to make a ton of money on this. It was, like you said, just kind of, we're going to keep Jason out there so that when Freddy versus Jason happens, people will show up. Right. Well, this was the just another is, gimmick. They didn't need to do that. Yeah. You throw out Freddy versus Jason, people are going to fucking show up. Right. Exactly. You don't need a shitty movie interim uh, to get put asses in the seats for that. Right. Because that's something people have been waiting for for 15 years already. Yeah, but you and I were part of that group where we thought this this was a cool thing that they were doing. Jason looked badass. Like I said, there was a cool trailer. So we were we were hyped as fuck to go see it. We didn't know anything about the movie being able to be pirated. So we just needed we somebody to tell us it's a trick. Get an axe. <laughs> right. So and it, I'm about to upset some people. I kind of feel the same way about Freddy versus Jason, honestly. Like I watched it. Oh man, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I love loved Freddy versus Jason when it came out. I was absolutely obsessed with it and it was good for what it was. But even now, it's not one I go back to very often. That just it felt a little heartless. I guess. And at the end of the day, I guess that's what my problem with Jason X is. It doesn't feel like the love and the care and the respect for the franchise was there. It was there just to make a buck. Yeah. And I don't know that we'll ever come back and do Freddy versus Jason. I mean, there's nothing that says we have to do all of these movies, but we, we I might just, eventually. My problem with Freddy versus Jason is that it took them way too fucking long to get to the part we wanted to see. Like we, I wanted to see Jason and Freddy throw down. And it's like the last part of the movie. And there was so much story that I just didn't give a shit about right. leading up to that. Um, so I always much, said it was Dawson's Creek with some Freddy and Jason yeah, fighting and in there. A bunch of other gimmicks that they threw in there. To, I guess they thought it was moving the story along. But it was basically a Nightmare on Elm Street movie up until that part where Jason comes out. Right. Because Freddy really was front and center. Now, right. That's fair. He'd made all the money up to that point. But... I mean, if it's supposed to be, you know, equals, then they really didn't give Jason the amount of screen time that he deserved. And even when he got the screen time in that film, they just cut right back to Freddy, you know, about he he didn't like that Jason was the one they were scared of. It just kept coming back to him. And and it's not that I don't like Freddy. I just, I don't know. It felt like it's Nightmare on Elm Street until you get to the last 15 minutes. Right. Like I said, and, and there's great things about that movie. There's still things about that film that I absolutely love, but it's just not aged well for me. It doesn't hold that place for me anymore which really sucks because that was our last hurrah from Robert England. So. Yeah. And now I know we've both said before that, uh, you know, you get these these toxic fan people out there that get so mad about a movie. And, and my opinion is kind of like, well, I'm sorry that they spent all that money and screwed up the movie that they clearly made just for you. Right. <laughs> right. And I realize that neither of those movies, especially Jason X, since that's the one we're talking about, it was not made specifically for me. But in general, it feels more like it was ego service 
than anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're just gonna say that we made this movie, and they made a few bucks. It doesn't feel like they made this movie for anyone, right? You know, it, it wasn't. It feels it's like not a, that it wasn't for me. It wasn't for anybody. Yeah, it feels like a soulless corporate thing. Like they just did it because we wanted to make some money, and I get it. That's the whole point of that industry is to make money. But I mean, obviously, when you make it with a target audience in mind, and you say this is what we're gonna do to make sure that they enjoy it, then it's it's more successful. The movie has some heart to it, and this one just doesn't. The only time I will say where maybe they showed some love for the fans or some respect was in the fake camp scenario, where they were clearly trying to give a little bit of that fan service there. I will admit to that, and I enjoyed that scene. I enjoyed that kill. You like those boobies? Yeah, no. Um, (laughs) But I did enjoy them redoing the sleeping bag scene. It doesn't outdo the original by any stretch of the imagination. No, because this is a zero blood sleeping bag. Right. But I do respect the fact that they tried to throw something in there for us. Right. I'm not one of those people that's sitting here going, but that's not my Jason, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I'm not one of those people. I'm just saying it just hasn't held up for me over the years. That's not like I'm going to all caps type how this movie's a fucking travesty or anything like that. I'm just like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to marathon these movies, mm. you're not going to be one of those people that like this movie ruined the entire series for me and I'll never watch one again. No. Cause I've seen some of those out there. Yeah, no, I, I won't do that. Sometimes I'll include it in the rotation. Most of the time I don't, but you know, it just, like I said, it just hasn't aged well for me personally. Yeah. No, I liked the, the flashback camp scene thinking about it from like a logical standpoint. And I shouldn't have done that at all. <laughs> like the fact, that he threw two campers at him and then he was like oh he's through the campers already and they were like well that was fast i mean it's, it's a virtual reality why didn't he throw like a herd of campers at him yeah like like redo an entire movie almost like, oh shit well we just lost those two campers i threw in there it's i guess we're done yeah throw in a whole group and they're doing the thing hey we're partying at this house and we had a family in the house next door like yeah that would yeah. have given them i mean logically that would have given them more time to fix the ship right and it would give jason something to do right and honestly you know what i wanted to see what could, what i could have seen there and i would have been pretty psyched for it um or even in the last one jason takes manhattan when he's in that subway full of people like my first thought was shit's about to get real right what like, i wanted like predator 2 what i wanted to see was I know people don't like it the new Leatherface where he's in that bus full of people right and he just goes ape shit on all of them Jason should have done that in Takes Manhattan in the subway right just fucking started killing everybody Mm -hmm. and they should have thrown more bodies at him in this one in that specifically in the Camp Crystal Lake scene because it's not real people it's digital he's killing digital people right they could have thrown so many bodies out there and it could have been badass but no we're not we're gonna we're gonna break a vacuum (laughs) somewhere and suck one of the final girls that's left Janessa was it Mm -hmm. Janessa it was She's going to get sucked out through a grate. On so many different levels. Yeah, it sucks on so many <laughs> levels. They just, they kept going with the puns and stuff in this movie and they didn't work either. For yeah. Me. Yeah, I there there were little bits in there that that were okay, you know, get a giggle or whatever. But it's just not anything that I was I wasn't sitting there actively really cheering or anything. So kind of at this point in the movie, Tiamat's closing in, and we do get one shot where you see a, a crew member on the Tiamat like through their windshield, <laughs> even though it's not really a windshield, whatever it is. You see them, but that's really all we get out of that. And we're down to what Brodsky, um, Rowan, Rowan, Centeron, Centeron, and Cam. And Cam's head. Her head, yeah. <laughs> 
So after they blow this pontoon off and Jason is in space and he's like flying towards the window and we get the, the ultimate interception from Brodsky. He comes well, flying before in that, in his space suit. And before that, him. they do have a moment where they're the only two left on the ship and they do this kind of face-off thing where they're starting to head toward each other. There's an explosion. That part, that scene's actually pretty cool because you're like, yeah. It is pretty cool. Brodsky cool, saves the day. We know how that's going to end. Right. I'm just saying the shots. Yeah, I will it, admit that shot's cool. It looks good. Yeah. But Brodsky intercepts Jason and takes him into some planet's atmosphere. I mean, it's not Earth, clearly, because Earth looks like West Texas now. I, I think it's their Earth, too. You cut to, I guess, what do they call them? The campers? The campfire teens or whatever is how they're credited. And it's just a boy and a girl. And you pointed out the girl's all TNA. She was clearly <laughs> specifically cast for this role. Yeah, so, sorry. That's I wasn't intending for you to bring that up. <laughs> well, I mean, you were the one that noticed. Big butt, big boobs. <laughs> yeah. Tiny waist. Yeah. Um, the ideal woman. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, oh, a shooting star. It landed in the lake. Let's go check it out. And then you see Jason's mask yeah, floating the, the metal to the mask. bottom of the lake. Mm-hmm. So congratulations. You have removed Jason Voorhees from Earth 1 and transported him to Earth 2. So Pretty that he much. can kill them all there. <laughs> Uh, I think that was the idea. The saga continues. New York has a new problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the movie. It feels like I'm, I'm a little bummed out because this was Kane's final turn as Jason. And it just felt like he went away with a whimper almost. You always want to see your heroes go out on top. You don't want to see him go out with, you don't want to see, you know, too old to be playing football. Brett Favre throwing a million interceptions before he retires. Right. But Not that's, that I have any idea what you're talking but about. But that's basically what we got. He deserves so, better than this movie to be his final movie he did and i'm i'm starting to wonder i was sitting here thinking about it and it was kind of like do you think maybe that's why he ended up being recast ultimately i don't know i think they were going to recast him anyway because they were they were always going to want to go bigger and better mm-hmm. right and they got bigger but i don't think they got better i i, I just don't this is going to sound crazy but the Kersinger Jason just didn't have the same soul Mm-mm. that Kane Hodder's he did. He had no character. Even though we can both agree that he's a soulless killer, but do you know what I mean? There was no personality. He was just a giant zombie lumbering around chopping up kids. Right. With no real, I don't know, You, um, you it's not that you get emotionally attached to Jason necessarily. I feel like every actor, even though it was a different actor portraying him every time, I feel like each individual brought their own flavor to him that made him stand out a little bit. You know, when I'm thinking of Richard Brooker, he kind of brought that manic, crazy, giggling face and the I don't give a fuck, nonchalant attitude. Well, I guess I was thinking outside the franchise. Freddie would not have been as popular without Robert England. Mm-hmm. Robert England gave Freddie a personality that people liked. Nick Castle gave Michael Myers a personality. And mm-hmm. now James Jude Courtney has given him a personality. Right. Whether people like it or not, he has a, a, a vibe, I guess. And I feel like Kane Hodder was the only actor slash stunt person that even remotely attempted to give Jason a personality and they took it away. But I agree with you. I would have loved to have seen the Kane go out in a better movie than this. He right. deserved a better final entry than this. I was just thinking in the way that by the time you got to part eight of the franchise, Paramount kind of threw their hands up and like, we're done, guys. Like, they, these are not doing anything anymore. It's time to move on. And then ended up giving the rights back to Sean Cunningham, who then in turn ended up going to New Line with it. They were like, okay, so we're just going to... 
we're going to start over and we're going to see what it, what New Line does with it. And then ultimately New Line kind of did the same thing. Where it's like, hmm, this is not really going the way we expect. Is it time to kind of recast and do something different? This guy's had his turn. Let's try something else. Even though I don't agree with it. Yeah. I'm just saying, do you suppose that's why they made that choice? It, it could be. It could be. But I really wanted to see Kane Hodder face down Robert England. I did too. Because I think that they both brought personality to the characters that they'd portrayed for so many years. And it would have just been epic. Yeah. And Kane Hodder has expressed how he felt a certain amount of ownership of the character. And I absolutely agree with that. No, There was nobody else who was willing to come back and say, I want to do that again. He was the only one who took pride in that character and tried to make him the best that he could be. The, the fact that it was the shittier films of the franchise sort of feels incidental. Yeah, because I, I think you're right. I think most of the other stunt performers that had been Jason up to that point, with the exception of the guy who did, what was it, part five or six that he was like yeah i would do it but they were gonna make him buy his own ticket to california oh 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 oh, that was uh steve dash in part yeah. two he was the only other person that said i want to do that again right all the rest of them were like no no son i'm not <laughs> doing that shit again right but kane was up for the abuse seemed to sort of thrive that in was that thing. Abuse. he put himself through a lot for that role both mentally and physically and did some i, I want to say innovative things with the character that had not been done before to that point so even as shitty of a film as this is my complaint is not with Kane Hodder just like part seven don't like part seven but my complaint did not lie with Kane Hodder he was absolutely great and he brings it every single time he takes on that character hell he would do it tomorrow if somebody asked him to I would ask him to yeah so I would argue that yeah this was just a casting choice probably by an executive somewhere that can fuck themselves but Mm. let can we agree that Robert England gave Freddy his personality, but not every entry of Nightmare on Elm Street was good. Yeah. But they continued with him anyway, and I don't understand why they made this change. It doesn't make sense to me. Can you imagine what would have happened to the Nightmare series if they had suddenly decided, yeah, we want somebody a little taller, a little thinner? Well, as a matter of fact, they did try to attempt that once in oh, I know. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, where they were like, do we really need to continue to pay an actor this much when we can just put any guy in the makeup? And they did try to grab another guy and he didn't have the mannerisms he didn't have the flavor that robert england had he was just kind of lumbering around like frankenstein and well i guess i was thinking about the remake that they tried for where they cast someone so else. and it's not that that guy did a bad job I was he gonna just say he just wasn't robert england yeah but my point is they recast it and it didn't work Right. You just, and I'm not saying, again, we've had this conversation many times. I'm not saying that you can't recast it. They're, these guys are too old to be doing this shit now. Do I still think that Kane could do it? Absolutely. I think that he would absolutely disagree with you because um, I think he would be Jason till he died. Probably. But Robert Englund, kind of, he's kind of long in the tooth. He's kind of, it, and, and that's by his own admission. Like, he's like, I can't keep doing this, right. guys. Um, Tony Todd, kind, same thing. Kind of too old to be still be doing this. Yeah, but I think if you've got an actor who's game to do it, fuck it, let him do it. But, like, people like Bill Skarsgård, who did Pennywise, he wasn't trying to be Tim Curry. He he did his own thing and brought his own mannerisms and ended up being almost just as scary. 
as Tim Curry was, maybe even more so, depending on who you talk to. But at the end of the day, I want somebody who's as enthusiastic about the role as the last guy, or more so. I don't want somebody to just get the paycheck and just do what they think they need to do. You know, I want the person who's like Kane Hodder that says, no, Jason wouldn't do that. This is what he would do. That's the person I want in that role. Absolutely. So having said all that, what do you think about this movie? We've kind of already covered it, but... So... (laughs) Sort of to wrap up, what do you think about this movie? As it stands, this is my least favorite in the franchise. And I know that there's a lot of people going, how the fuck are you going to say that Jason Goes to Hell is a good movie when it did A, B, and C and was dog shit, but you're going to say that this movie is the worst. Again, I will go back and reiterate what I said in part nine. They tried something different. It was brutal as fuck. The special effects were there. It would, to me, was scary in certain scenes. I felt like it did everything that it needed to do with the exception that Jason was not in it as much as we would like. That's, but Jason X, like I said, it's, it can be one of those fun, just turn your brain off movies, sit there. Not everything has to be high art or anything, but if you're going to give me something that's dumb, turn my brain off, it needs to at least be fun, you know? And yes, this movie was fun for a time. I just don't feel like it has stood the test of time. You know, it's the jokes have run their course. They're not funny anymore. The kills are just okay. It just feels too clean. It feels too studio. You know what I mean? I agree with that. It doesn't, it doesn't have that certain charm that's there of, yeah, we're making a low budget horror film, you know, with a roll of duct tape and two twigs to try to get this baby made that you can see that all that hard work goes into it. Now, I know that you don't care for the original. I think you still have that at dead last in your ranking, but these were a group of people just trying to get a movie made and you could see that the hard work was there, the writing was there, and they did things that nobody had done up until that point. That first film is why we have all of the rest of these films, for better or for worse. So, what about you? So, I'm going to give the most unpopular final ranking You're supposed to tell me what you think before you give me your ranking. Okay, so what do I think (laughs) about this movie specifically? Yes. I feel like the acting was atrocious. I feel like the score for the trailer was better than the score for the movie. If they had hauled out Rammstein and Drowning Pool in the movie, probably would have been more okay with it. The effects were non-existent. Did I mention that the acting was really bad? (laughs) It felt like a sci-fi original movie. I think the idea was bad. Um, I feel like the writing was absolute garbage. And I realize that's a hot take, but everyone already knows how I feel about Todd Farmer's writing. And it's not personal. Yeah, like no, it's nothing against personal against Todd the guy himself. Farmer. I just don't think he writes movies well at I, all. I think he's... And the he, impression I get is he's, be, he's there to make a buck. He's not there because he cares about the source material. He does seem to be fairly full of himself, though, because he writes himself into his movies. And he kind of writes... He either writes himself in as a naked woman or I'm going to be a badass space marine. But I just don't. I just don't. I, I don't know. That's self-service, not fan service. At one point, he was going to take on Hellraiser. And can we just say, thank goodness, hail Satan, that he was not allowed. Yeah. Having said that, I would still rather watch this one 
than several of the other entries in this franchise. It's not because I care about the characters or anything like that. I Number one is because it's Kane Hodder's last Jason. So it's almost like a respect thing, <laughs> I guess. Okay. I would watch it because he did it. The other one is is dumb. It's, it's almost so dumb that it makes me laugh a little bit. It's like I get entertainment out of tearing this movie apart while I watch it. And that's probably sick, right? <laughs> But I do get some level of satisfaction out of picking this movie apart while I watch it. So it rates probably way higher than it does on your... Actually, I know it's way higher than it does on yours. Oh, yeah. But, oh, man, the only good thing I would say out of this movie is Jason. Yes. So having said that, do you want me to go through my list? Sure. So the, now this, these is, are, this is our final ranking, this is by the, the way, guys. This is the end all. Like, we're done with Friday for the moment. We know that there's still a couple movies left. But for right now, we're done. There's well, you a got Freddy vs. Jason and you got the remake. Yeah. That we didn't cover. And we may tackle those at some point. And we probably... And it'll be stupendous. <laughs> and we probably, more than likely, at some point, will cover Never Hike Alone and Never Hike in the Snow. Because in my humble opinion, they absolutely deserve to be counted. Because Victor What's-His-Butt deserves recognition for Vincent that. Vincent DeSanti. <laughs> Whatever. He deserves some recognition for what he did with those. Yes. So what little bit of notoriety we could give him, we should give him. Anyway, so at number one, I have number four, uh, and it purely because of Ted White. Second is Jason Lives, and it's sort of the same vein as number nine. You know, you gave me a badass Tommy and characters I care about, and it's just good. Jason Goes to Hell is number three because it's funny, and we already talked about that. It engaged me. You know, the characters engaged me. Mm -hmm. Whether or not he was in it or not, you could see Kane Hodder's mark on the actors who played the Jason character throughout the film. Number four is Jason X, just because I like tearing that movie apart. Uh, number five is number five, New Beginning. Now, I understand, isn't number five the one you said it's got the best boobs in all the Friday? <laughs> yes. And even that is not enough to get it to number one. <laughs> Uh, next is number seven, New Blood, because I just absolutely hate that idea. Number next one is eight, <laughs> Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh, Canada. I, it's just not good. There's no redeeming qualities to that one whatsoever. Um, then part three, because fuck disco. <laughs> then Friday part that two. That can't be the only reason you hate it. I just don't like that one. Okay. I just, I just don't care for that one at all. I don't like the 3D at all. You liked Richard Brooker, though. I did like Richard Brooker. You know, at some point, maybe in the future, we'll revisit these. But <laughs> I don't know. In this moment, today, that's close to the bottom. Uh, then part two, Tater Sack. And then part <laughs> one, uh, which is just Mommy Dearest. Okay. But part one is one that I would like to see. <sighs> don't kill me. I'd like to see that one redone. I think that one would make a really good elevated horror idea if it was done right. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I think if nothing else, it could be just like a seriously emotionally draining tearjerker of a horror movie just Possibly. really exploring pamela Voorhees grief at losing her son and what she's willing to go through to avenge that okay. i think there's a great story there they just didn't get it in the first friday how about you <laughs> so i'm gonna work from the bottom up this time so and i'm gonna give a little bit more description than you did as to why they are in their place jason x is coming in a dead last at number 10 and i feel like that's pretty self-explanatory because i've basically just gone through this whole episode and told you why i don't like it i feel like it's a corporate machine that there was no love and care involved in that so that's my problem coming in at number nine is going to be the new blood and again 
it was just one that at the end of the day, I don't enjoy it. There, there are moments in it and I absolutely love it as being Kane Hodder's first turn as the titular character. It just was another one that I didn't feel like they were doing anything new. They tried to bring the Carrie gimmick into it and it just didn't work for me because I did not care for our lead. I had a huge problem with her feeling like she didn't want to be there most of the time. That being said, I still think John Carl Beekler did the best with what he could and he absolutely gave us the most brutal Jason we've had up to this point. Coming in at number eight is part three and it's almost basically for the same reason. I did enjoy Richard Brooker as Jason. What I did not enjoy was the entire cast of characters. There was not one person I rooted for. Like I said, I have come around on Shelly. I can give him a little bit more. I can forgive him a little bit more now just because I feel like he kind of reminds me of me a little bit. He kind of reminds me of our son a little bit. I can sympathize with him more than I used to be able to. But our main lead in Chris didn't, didn't like her. Didn't feel like she brought anything new to the table. Coming in number seven, Jason Takes Manhattan. And I, you guys heard me a couple weeks ago defend this movie. I still love it. I do. I will argue for that movie all day. And that's purely because of nostalgia. Was it the best idea? It could have been if they had been given the budget that they needed to pull off a story like that. There are still great moments in that film, but unfortunately there's just some that do it for me more than that. So that being said, coming in at number six is the original. And I know, I know, I know that is a hot ass take. I absolutely respect Friday the 13th for doing what it did and basically kicking off this entire franchise. While I love it, it does feel like a little bit of a slog to get through. Just because we've talked before about padding of the red time and the characters not really being all that interesting. So I will validate that statement in that I totally respect Alfred Hitchcock in making Psycho because it spawned so many other things in the horror genre. Right. But it does not make it a movie I want to fucking sit through. Okay, you're you're alone there, but... <laughs> I'm just saying, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Coming in at number five is part two. Now I'm getting, you know, obviously into the ones that I like. Part two was the first Friday the 13th I ever saw. I have a tremendous amount of love for it. I absolutely loved Steve Dash as Jason. I loved our final girl in Ginny. I thought she was amazing. And it's still one of the only ones to still be creepy. Even now, it still has its creepy moments. Number four is a new beginning. It's it's purely that I'm so highly entertained by that one. It's one that makes me laugh a lot. It's one that I quote endlessly. I love the characters, not all the characters, but there are characters in it that I love and I root for and I'm sorry to see them go, which is just not something that happens very often. In at number three, Jason Lives. What can you say? That movie was very well written. It was very well directed. It was funny. It had a brutal Jason in it. Tommy Jarvis kicks so much ass as a final person. I love that that's how they wrapped up his character. They they gave him a happy ending, which is not common for most of the people. Ugh. Spot number two goes to Jason Goes to Hell. And I talked about this last week, why I love this movie so much. I know that people hate it. I do. It's just for me personally, I happen to really fucking love it. I think it is so wonderful in terms of practical effects and gore and kills. I think it's a scary Jason. I loved that they tried to do something different with it and bring in a mythology and bring in new characters and fuck, I just, I love it. I'm sorry. And you can't beat that ending. So that leaves number one as being the final chapter. 
I think, on, like I said, on any given day, Kane Hodder, Ted White, to me, could be interchangeable as the best Jason. Uh, Ted White was brutal as fuck. He was legitimately scary. There are moments of that film that are legitimately scary still. Um, I loved the, the Jarvis family. I loved the teens next door. They were, again, ones that I cared about their little side plots. I cared about what was going on with them. I didn't want to see some of them die. And for me, it had, it was scary. It was funny. You cared. I was completely engaged in it. And to me, it is the gold standard of what a Friday the 13th film should be. So, <laughs> I've rambled. Those are some strong some. words you got there. <laughs> I agree with you, though. And I think it's funny that both of us, we picked basically Kane Hodder and Ted as our, our number one Jasons. But... I don't know. I mean, that kind of happens with every franchise, I think. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't happen with every franchise because it was always Robert England mm -hmm. for Nightmare. But, I mean, when you get to Halloween, it's like, uh, if you're not Nick Castle, <laughs> uh, mm, I wouldn't. I wouldn't James say that. James Jude Courtney has done a mm -hmm. badass job. So, I mean, it would be hard to pick between those two for me. And it's kind of hard to pick between Ted White and Kane Hodder as, mm -hmm. you know, who wore it best. Right. <laughs> um, but they, they both brought something different to the table, I think. Right. Because we've talked a lot about how Kane brought the, he cared about Jason and what he would do and what he wouldn't do and gave him a personality. And Ted White was almost exactly the opposite of that. Ted White was there for a job. And if he happened to hurt some of these kids while he was making the movie, then shit happens. And I think, but I think that mentality just kind of led to the brutality of the character. And that's one of the things I appreciate about his portrayal of Jason. But I think it's interesting that both of us picked, you know, in our top spots is either a Ted White or a Kane Hodder. Right. I mean, I, I would give C.J. Garamlub after that. Absolutely, too. He, he was another one that I thought was really great. Right. Yeah, he did. He did a good job. He just wasn't in the interviews when we watched they the nobody on the set was scared of him you know apparently he was a big teddy bear he was really nice and every time they do a take he was like are you okay and he really cared about you know and they just i think that translated to the screen you know that he mm -hmm. wasn't really all that scary even though he did do a pretty good jason whereas like ted white didn't give a shit and kane hodder was like all right i'm about to hurt you now mm -hmm. like i'm gonna really pick you up by the head and i'm really gonna throw you on the ground <laughs> You know, right. so I think the realism that those other two men brought to the to the character translated to the screen where C.J. Dram did a good job in the mannerisms. He just didn't bring the pain like the other two did. The brutality. So I agree. Well, guys, that wow, that wraps up Camp Blood 2022. We're we're done. Like, I, I get that sometimes with these theme months that we do, people are like, oh my God, do I really have to sit through an entire series? Especially if it's not a series that you care for. But if you have stuck with us, thank you for that. You know, we, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us. And this is the end of our second season. We're going to take a break for some life stuff. Me going to school, getting a new job, our kids going back to school this year. So we're going to take a break and focus on that stuff for a couple of months. But we are trying something new this year, we decided in the last few days. We're not going to leave you hanging for two months this time. What we're going to do is we're going to look at our our list of our, it's going to depend on how many weeks are in the next two months, but top 10 We'll, we'll say our top 10 episodes most played most listened to um, because we have been astounded at what has been you know in the running for number one and I mean shit we're about to have our one year anniversary of the show even so who would have thought yay us <laughs> you know 
We uh, we went through a period where Travis had lost his job and we were kind of waiting for the next big thing to come up. So it's like, what do we do to fill this time? And, you know, we were also still in lockdown for all intents and purposes. So it was like, what do we do to fill this time? It's like, we love talking about movies. That's what we do. So why not? do that yeah you everybody should hear some of the debates that we have in the car when we're on the way somewhere anywhere doesn't matter mighty mouse versus superman we (laughs) right we talk about some crazy shit when we're out driving around and we thought other people might like to hear this crazy shit so here we are at least five people all you know what we started with one so we're up to five that's awesome (laughs) and again guys thank you for being with us for this this journey you know it's allowed travis and i to spend time together and i would say get to know each other on a different level you know even though you're together for 20 years you still look at the person every once in a while and go i didn't know you felt that way that's interesting and you know so that's that's great like we're, we're so thankful to you guys so all of that to say that yes we're gonna be covering doing a countdown basically of our top 10 12 whatever it may be episodes of what's the most popular starting with the least popular to the most popular so having said that it's not just hey we're just gonna repost the same shit we did before right uh, what we're gonna do is actually listen to the episode rewatch the movie and then there's gonna be a little add-on there do we still feel about that the way we did when we recorded it? Yes. And give a little bit of additional feedback because I feel like probably my opinion of some of the movies that we first reviewed has changed. Some Mm -hmm. of them it may not. Ashley's still going to tell you that Predator is her favorite movie of all time. Yes. But there may be some other ones in there where our opinions may have changed over time. And so basically they're going to, they're going to have all new introductions. You'll get, you'll get the old episode. You get to relive it or listen to the first time if you didn't catch it before, but they're going to have an all new introduction of, did it stand the test of time? What do we think about it? You know, a year later, and hopefully you guys will hang out for that and continue to stay with us till we come back in October. And of course we'll have pillow talks over the break too. So those aren't going anywhere. And we're going to talk so much shit and pillow talk. (laughs) As always. But guys, thank you again a wonderful year. We love you. Bye, guys. Take care. Hey, Ashley. So what would people do if they're enjoying the show and they want to leave us a review? You'd review the show on your favorite platform, but that's just me. But who are you? I'm SpookyMom83. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not going to direct you to Facebook because I hate it. (laughs) And I guess that makes me Travis L80 on Twitter. Just don't expect a lot. Yeah, you're not really big on the social stuff. I'm socially inept. (laughs) That's true. But if you guys want to reach out, tell us what your favorite movie is, got any requests, any questions, stuff like that. You know, they can just stop in and say hi. They can just stop in and say hi. I will say hi. 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 Hello there. (laughs) But seriously, guys, feel free to reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. So they can kind of just stop in for whatever they want. And tell Travis why he's the better of the two, obviously. Please. Please do that. (laughs) Till next time, guys. Later. Bye.